Welcome back to hell, where we talk about terrible people and terrible situations, both worthy of going to hell. I'm your host, Lainey, and I'm your host, Jordan. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode in hell as we are hellbound history. Ooh, we I love our new name. I'll be honest. I really like it. I do, too. Uh, it's so good. Um, all right, guys, as you guys are back. That this was week, quick. <laughs> what? I love our name. Woo. All right, guys. Now back to the yeah, just, <laughs> just jump into it. I mean, I guess we don't have to banter. This could be our <laughs> This could be yeah. I mean, I mean, I think some of our episodes we've bantered, and so I think some people just want like like shut up, ladies, (laughs) just get into the content already. Which fine, fine. You know what? You know what, sir? You know what, sir? (laughs) We'll just jump right into it then, just for you, sir. Okay, sir. All right, sir. Okay, guys. So this one, if you've been an old fan of ours and have been listening to us for the last year, then some of you may have heard our episode about Clara Harris. Man, I really love Clara. Clara's actually been on my mind lately, which is another reason why Clara I've kind on the of mind. just, she's on my mind. Yeah, I just like, I just couldn't stop thinking about her and her story. So and her why don't death. We- <sighs> her death <laughs> and so in a lot of our stories we put them in like Dante's rings of hell mm-hmm. and um, if you've read the the full collection of Dante's Inferno you know that his last ring is actually betrayal mm. yeah um, it's also really funny because he's led in this last part by like a childhood crush in his book so I kind of was like you're being led to betrayal, like you're going through the betrayal thing and being led by some woman you had a crush on. Okay, Dante, I guess. Uh, men are so weird. <laughs> I think men back then just couldn't express themselves, so they put it in their writing. So why don't we just I wish men get would right still on just it. write about it instead of sending unsolicited D-picks. <laughs> It's not even a D pick. It's like a it's a fan fiction D. Oh, pick. so oh, oh, yeah. It's like all the people that like my him. immortal. Like can... Have you seen yeah. my immortal or heard no. of my immortal? It's the really, really, really bad uh, Harry Harry Potter fan fiction. I have. I uh, I think that's the one where someone read it by mistake, thinking it was Harry Potter, and they're like, "I didn't realize Did there's ha- there's no way. I don't believe that. There's no way. You there's gotta no Google way. it. There's somebody no way. read it. Somebody. I remember reading about this. Somebody read that fan fiction, thinking it was actually a part oh, no. of Harry Potter, and no. so they had messaged their friend they're like, like, "Bruh, yeah, <laughs> like why are there so many sex scenes with like." Like Stop. Ron and Hermione. No. no, look, no, seriously, you can Google it. Um, oh, I so will. <laughs> if you have not read My Immortal, N- it's literature, <laughs> a literature masterpiece, a literary masterpiece. Oh my god! Ten out I of can't. ten, one million percent recommend. 
Uh, okay. But, but continue, continue. I'm so sorry. Let's just jump into it. So our evening begins with Clara getting ready and kind of hassling her husband, Henry. It's April 14th, 1865. And you know what just ended? The Civil War. The Civil War. Everybody's partying. Everybody is like out doing their things. Bars are spilling over. People are celebrating. Obviously, the Confederates probably aren't celebrating. So we can tell from this that Clara and Henry are up, clearly up, up north. They're on the right side of history. The right side of history. So Clara has been invited to a uh, play by her friend Mary. Now, what Clara doesn't really understand or doesn't know is that Mary invited others before Clara. Like, we've all done that. Like, hey, do you want to come to this thing? No. Well, maybe so-and-so wants to come to this thing. No. Okay, well, what about so-and-so? And so Clara is Mary's kind of last choice to invite, but regardless, Clara's excited. But right now she's frustrated at Henry because Henry is taking forever to get ready. She's like, Henry, come on. Like, we're going to be late for this play. Um it's really, really important to me that we make a good impression on Mary and her husband. And he's like, calm down, Clara. He puts his hands on her shoulder. He goes, we're going to make it on time. So as they get ready, they're done. They start walking out the house. They start walking down the street. They see drunken people stumbling around. Some people throwing up on the side of the streets. Some people just pass out. They're just blacked out, you know, don't really care. Um, and they wind up finally arriving to the Ford's Theater. And of course, like Clara had told Henry, we're going to be late and we're going to miss the beginning part, which happened. But don't worry, because Clara's friend Mary is there with her husband, Abraham. So now Abraham has a particular job. And he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. And the reason why is because it is the Abraham you all are probably thinking of. Abraham Lincoln. Daddy Lincoln. I don't know why I said that. Sorry. Daddy Lincoln. (laughs) Daddy Abraham. Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) vampire slayer. (laughs) See, and you know what? Clara recalls that night kind of a little bit later on that the beginning of it was really, really chill. Like Abraham was so excited to go see this play. Henry was being kind of awkward with Abraham because I mean, that power position, the president of the United States is there and you're just a guy who served in the military for a little bit. And your wife happens to be very good friends with the president's wife. So, you know, Abraham's like, oh, hello, Henry. And he's like, not making eye contact. Abraham wasn't making eye contact? Huh? Who wasn't making eye contact? Henry towards I mean, he's the president of the United States, right? Yes. I can only imagine how nerve-wracking that would be. It's like if I were to go watch Our American Cousin with Lady Gaga, I would (laughs) be like, I am not worthy (laughs) I'm not worthy. And that's kind of how he felt. Now, Claire is more excited because Mary invited her. 
And Abraham isn't as upset that they're that late because Abraham, with this position, because of how unique looking he is, is spotted easily. Oh, he's like eight feet tall. Come on. Where's a giant hat? Like you're asking to be spotted. You know what? He actually takes off the hat as he comes inside. And you know what? Probably couldn't get through the door with it on. (laughs) You know, probably. But as they're walking into the theater to go start walking up to the presidential box, um, the whole production stops. That's so unprofessional. The show must go on. Why did it stop? Like, oh, my God, it's the president. Like, you're an actor. They're not going to do that. They just won the Civil War. They all stand up. And embarrassingly, Abraham's like, no, no, thank you. No, 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 stop. 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 Just stop. Okay, okay. Keep going. Okay, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Just stop. Yeah, yeah. But he'd be like, keep going. Keep going. And once the. Okay. And then stop. That's okay. Yeah. Once the applause kind of stopped, him. Mary, Clara, and Henry wind up walking up the stairs into the presidential box. Now, it's a box. You know, they had rocking chairs. They had carpets. And they had really nice, like, thick, velvety, like, drapes that kind of covered over it. Um, I kind of feel like they did that, like, just in case they wanted some privacy. I don't know. I just like to think that. Um, So... Uh, It's about 10.15, and it's intermission now. And the policeman, who was supposed to be guarding the presidential box, uh, decided, you know, it's intermission. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to go to the tavern and get a drink real fast. What? Yeah. He was like, I'm just going to go really, really fast, take a (sighs) shot, come back, because all I'm doing is standing. Nothing's going to happen. You know he got blamed. Oh, yes. He probably, poor guy, poor guy. I mean, I definitely understand the logic. I get it. But oh, my gosh. What's about to ensue? He's going to never live that down. Oh, yeah. And now entering the four theater is John Wilkes Booth. Now, his presence isn't weird. And it's not question in the theater because John Wilkes Booth is an an actor. actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's an actor and he is like trying to get his way up into the presidential box and no one is suspecting anything. And so he's like kind of talking to some of the ushers. Um, He, you know, some fans of his are talking to him, but he's not focused on these conversations. In the back of his mind, he has a plan ready to go. This plan had involved a three-part type of assassination. John Wilkes Booth was a huge Confederate fanatic and hated that the war won in favor of the Union. So with him and two of his other friends, they've decided they're going to carry out an assassination plot. Mm. So after kind of talking to the usher saying, hey, I like have never seen the presidential box. I've never seen it. Like, do you do you think you could like show me? And one of them winds up agreeing. He's just so charmed by him. And as they're approaching, he doesn't take him further up the stairs. He just says, oh, this is where it goes. And John notices there's no guard. There's nobody there. 
So the usher goes back to their job. The play is starting to go again. And he waits about a few more minutes. And that guard didn't come back. Mm. So John starts to slowly step up the stairs. Kind of slow enough just to make sure, like, if somebody caught him, he could be like, oh, silly me, I'm lost. Like, I got a whoopsie. I didn't know this was the president's box. Oops. Oops. Mary, at the time, is talking to Clara, and they're kind of just talking about, like, theater socialite things. Um, It's kind of like if we talk about, like, maybe a movie or show, and we're just kind of like, oh, my God, did you see this? No, I haven't seen that. And that's actually kind of where Clara and Mary's friendships came together. It came together because they both loved the arts. Now, Henry and Abraham... Abraham's trying to talk to Henry and Henry's like kind of stuttering a little bit. He's 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 trying to be manly. He's trying mm-hmm. to show like, yeah, Puff I'm out a his cool chest guy. a little bit. I'm chill. I'm chill. So, I'm with the president so, and his pres, wife. Me and the president. Prob- besties. Besties. Yeah. Life. Yeah. <laughs> Love your policies. Love your stuff. <laughs> Love what you did. <laughs> Love what you did. <laughs> So, John, meanwhile, walking up the steps, slowly, 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 he has a knife in his back pocket and a pistol to the side. Now, this guard does come back and resumes his positions, drunk, and doesn't think anything of it um, and is unaware that there is someone up at the very top of the stairs. So since John is an actor, and actors, as we all know, know plays by heart by the time they're in production, knows when the height of the play is going to come. And in his head, he goes, I'm going to shoot him the second the play hits the highest part, and it's going to cover the sound of my gunshot. Mm. So stairs lead up. In order, facing the play, it's Abraham, Henry, then it's Clara, and then it's Mary. And that's just kind of because girls are talking, men are talking. Mm-hmm. And without realizing it, suddenly a gun pistol is put behind Abraham Lincoln's head. And as the play reaches the crescendo, shot goes off. And Henry sees this, is like, what? And he lunges at uh, John Wilkes Booth. And John Wilkes Booth takes out his knife. And when Henry, with his arms stretched out, he takes the knife, hits him on mm. his forearm, and slices all the way down to his armpit. Ooh. And he falls. Of course. And then John Wilkes Booth, Clara is like, oh my God, something's happening. Mary's screaming. And then, you know, he hears footsteps coming up. It's probably that drunken guard and some other people coming. And he realizes the only thing I can do right now is I'm going to jump out of the president box. So he basically like barrel rolls off the top of the little edge of the president's box, falls onto the stage platform. And everybody's like, Whoa! I didn't know John Wilkes Booth is in this. This is awesome. 
And Mary kind of (laughs) really... These special effects are rad. They're like, whoa. And and Mary is in hysterics. Henry's out of it. Abraham, she doesn't even know what's going on with Abraham right now. So, you know, Clara just shouts, the president has been shot. And there's silence, then chaos. People are scrambling. John Wilkes Booth starts sprinting because she's pointing at him from the box saying, it's him. It's John Wilkes Booth. He's the one that did it. So as the others guards are coming up the stairs, they're trying to attend to the president and attend to Henry. And the blood that Henry had spurted when he got injured wanted up covering Clara's dress. Mm. And Mary sees this and just not thinking rationally is just like my husband's blood. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, what's going on? And they go and they try to save the president and they find out that, you know, he has passed. Back at the Lincoln household, uh, Mary is kind of sitting there while people are trying to attend to Abraham and just kind of see if there's any way to save him. But again, he's been shot in the back of the head. There is no saving him. Not even with today's medicine, you know? Yeah. And not only that, Clara is trying to, because Henry's being treated as well even though henry wasn't shot that that slice wound from like your forearm all the way down to your armpit you hit an artery and so he's he was told that he may not make it and clara is trying to be okay with henry in his state but not only that she's consoling her friend mary Mm -hmm. who just keeps saying Oh, my God, my husband's blood. Oh, my God, my husband's blood. Oh, my God. And Clara has to keep telling her this isn't Abraham's like this is this is Henry's. And she's just not listening. And so kind of Clara gives up at that (laughs) point. She's all frustrated. She's like, Mary, Mary. Really? She's like, Mary, this is my husband's blood, not your husband's blood. It's like you need to just kind of like calm down down um imagine if you were in that situation though i think it'd be pretty impossible to calm down yeah she was really unhinged and they actually had to tell her to get out of the room where they were like looking at abraham because she just wouldn't stop screaming dang yeah so abraham died at 7 22 a.m the following morning april 15th 1865 at the age of 56 mary's not present at the time of his death because remember she's unhinged at this point and so yeah um when the passing was confirmed everybody in the room knelt around the bed to give honor to the president that they once had um and a statement by edward stanton he said either now he belongs to the ages or now he belongs to the angels. You know, both of these are fit for the occasion, by the way. Uh, so two weeks of manhunting John Wilkes Booth, they finally corner him in a barn where a Union soldier 
shoots him in the neck. Nice. And so Boof dies about two, uh, like two hours later. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. When Lincoln died, Andrew Johnson winds up becoming the president and the nation lost the one man who really, really, really helped bind the nation's wounds after this Mm -hmm. like four years of just brutal war against loved ones and brothers and sisters. Um, But the story isn't about Abraham. The story is about Clara and Henry because life was changed forever after that moment and it just it never became the same so henry never recovered from what happened at the ford theater his mental state starts to kind of deteriorate it would be small things at first and see a lot of people blamed henry of course not the gu- not the guard of course who went to go get a drink but henry was there Yeah, Henry was there. And so there would be moments where Henry would go out, maybe just to go pick something up for Clara, maybe just to go um, just do an errand. And people would like verbally say to him, it's your fault that Abraham died. It's your fault that the state is now like this. It's your fault that now we can't recover from the Civil War. You should have done more. Why didn't you and do even more? If, yeah, and even if he doesn't believe that himself by being consistently told that over and over and over again, you're going to start to believe, like, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I could have done something. So that's just poor guy. And he starts to believe that. He, tru- he truly starts to believe, I don't think I did enough. Maybe I should have done more. And he replays this this moment over and over and over in his head. Um, he suffered from physical ailments from his wound. Um, he just was like in constant fear that at some point something like that was going to happen again. He was going to be in another situation where he was going to have to like protect someone really important and it, like he wouldn't be able to do it. And like these delusions of just people talking about him started to just kind of creep in. You know, one time him and Clara are at the market and they're just trying to pick out some food and Henry just gets quiet. Henry starts to kind of just like get really shifty eyes. He's looking constantly back. He gives the woman who's at the fruit stand just like these looks and he starts to tear up. Clara tells him to put the fruit down you know, kind of pulls him to the side in this little alley and is like, Henry, what's wrong? Like, are you okay, honey? Like, and he's just like, they're talking about me, Clara. Like mm. that, that fruit stand lady blames me for Abraham's death. Like I hear the people around me talking about it and they're trying to be nice. and They're trying to say it low, but I hear them. I hear them, Clara. And she just, calms them down the best way she can she's just trying to say henry they're not talking about you i promise i will let you know if they are and he would be like okay and it would take a bit to kind of calm him down um but they would they would work through it and it didn't happen a lot at first so like by the time you know it's almost been like a year since the accident since the whole assassination thing, Henry Henry has kind of improved just a bit. He's he's not thinking as delusional. He doesn't 
I mean, he still blames himself. He doesn't sleep really well at night, but it's it's getting it's getting kind of back to normal. It's, Clara knows it's never going to be normal. Like she even can kind of realize she's not normal anymore. She keeps the dress from that night mm. and hangs it in a closet as like a a weird keepsake. Sell that on eBay. I wonder if that <laughs> I wonder if it attributed <laughs> to Henry. Kind of just that's a constant reminder. Like, oh, this is the dress my wife was wearing when Abraham Lincoln was shot in the back of the head and died. Like, that's a pretty traumatic life experience. Yes, and you're blamed for it, and your wife keeps kind of this memento. And so, when it hits the anniversary of Lincoln's death, all of a sudden there's banging at the door. Bing, 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 bing. Henry Rathborn. Henry Rathborn. Tell us, tell us, how was it? How was it the night of Abraham Lincoln's assassination? Do you feel like you could have done more? What did you do wrong? Mm-mm. What? What? How do you feel about it a year later? And and Henry, when he does open the door, he is just speechless. He is just like tears in his eyes, but he's a man, so he just can't do that. He's he just has anxiety. He's he just he just doesn't know. And he kind of looks at Clara with this look of see, they'll never forget. Um, Clara had wrote um, about being bond by journalists. She and I quote said in every hotel we're in, as soon as people get wind of our presence, we feel ourselves becoming objects of morbid scrutiny. Whenever we were in the dining room, we began to feel like zoo animals. Henry imagines that the whispering is more pointed and malicious than it could possibly be. As the years go on, his like condition kind of worsens and it starts to kind of spread into these other categories. He starts becoming insanely jealous of men who pay any attention to Clara. He, he would be like, Clara, why is this guy looking at you? And she's like, maybe I look nice today. And he would blame her. Well, that's your fault. He shouldn't be looking at you. You're my wife. Like, you need to get over that. And Clara's just like, honey, it's fine. You know, I love you. It's going to be okay. He also started resenting the intention that Clara would suddenly give the children they wind up having. They wind up having three children. Clara. Henry Jr. <laughs> They're so creative with the names back then. And I can't remember the last one. Um... But their 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 children, he got jealous kind of about it. And then he starts like weirdly getting this notion that Claire's gonna divorce him because of this incident and then take the kids because of this incident. And then he's never gonna like find love again, never see his kids again, and gonna be left alone to the scrutiny. Like, like Claire's going to leave him because of all this. You know, Claire might have thought about leaving him, but also, just so you guys know, it was really socially unacceptable to divorce or separated. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one part could be like she didn't want that stigma on her. But also, 
I think she really did love him because a lot of it was she tried to calm him down, tried to ask him to just be okay. When he would get angry, drunk, and throw bottles, she'd just send the children up. It was their regular morning routine. It was kind of just how the Rathborn family did things now. Now, I remember in our previous episode, when we have recorded this, you had said, shave your mustache, change your name, you know, like, <laughs> like grow a beard and shave it off, like change your identity and go. But with the Rathborn name, he still had connections and money. Mm, oh, so he couldn't really ditch it. Yeah. So he couldn't ditch it. And so in 1877, his friends and relatives sent like letters to President Ruth Ford Hayes asking if Henry can have the position of State Department post of charge uh, affairs in Denmark. And I mean, like dozens of letters, like friends, families. They were just like, listen, like Henry's not the same. We think this would be good for him. Like please just do this thing for us. I don't know what they were kind of thinking by doing that, but he winds up kind of not getting the job just because like his behavior is so odd, random outbursts, random things. So like they tell him no, they say no, like we don't, he, he was uh, intelligent. He was this great warrior. He was this awesome person, but we've heard things these last few years and, I don't think he's fit for the job. His friends are reported to say that he just got angrier. By 1882, Henry is now depressed, doesn't really like take care of himself, doesn't really keep up with the looks, doesn't really like to bathe, doesn't really like to do those self-care things. Um, and he's erratic. So those those moments earlier, like in the in the the food market stand where he was like quiet and like shifty and Clara had to pull him to the side and ask him what's going on and he would say like oh people are listening to me it's now no longer like that a little paranoid now it's like they're in a restaurant and he just slams his fist into the table and it's like you need to shut up and he'll point to like a random couple and Clara's like Henry and then he'll point to behind him he goes I know what you're saying about me I know everything. I can hear. I can hear, you know. You know, it, it, it got to the point where Clara just kind of got up and said, Henry, we just, we need to go. We can't do, we can't do public dinners anymore. That's fine. We'll just eat at home. And, you know, I'm frustrated. And he wouldn't, he, he, he started becoming so attached to her. And, you know, as they're leaving the restaurant, he's like, I'm sorry, Clara. I'm working on it. And she's like, it's okay. Like, we, I love you. It's fine. You just need to work on it. Um, we just, we won't go to public restaurants. We won't, we won't do that anymore. Um, I don't, I, like, she doesn't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. And he starts becoming so fearful. I mean, even after reassuring that she's not going to leave him, he can't stop bringing it up that she's going to leave him. And she, like, he begs her to please, please stay with him. And I mean, this is morning. Wake up. Clara, I know you want to leave me, but please, please, please don't leave me. Hen That's exhausting. Henry, I don't want to leave you. Lunchtime. Clara, okay, I know this morning you said you didn't want to leave me, but I know that's not what you were really thinking. Uh, please, please stay with me. Please don't take the kids. And again, Clara's like, I'm not. I'm not. And then again, 
And again, several times throughout the day. And she's used to it. She keeps the children a little bit separate. They don't tell them about what happened that night. And I think they just did that because that's a complicated subject. For sure. Henry, by the time it's December of 1883, I mean, he he's like suffering from... Oh, I can't say this right. Dysphagia. It's like all of a sudden he's got like this chronic stomach ailment that's like linked to being nervous all the time. Uh, Clara's diary entry from November 30th, 1883 reads. The truth is, I've never loved him more than I have this last month. I've wanted to wail with pity over him. He mutters more than ever of our hours in the box at the Ford forcing me to think of them too. According to most accounts, before December 23rd, 1883, Henry either entered or tried to enter the room where his children were sleeping. And Clara just had a really bad feeling and was just really nervous about him being alone with the children. Mm-hmm. She was nervous he was going to hurt them. And so he winds up, she winds up kind of kind of getting him back into the master bedroom and like closing the door. So on December 23rd, 1883, Henry, their children and Claire wind up going to this Christmas gathering. He's been kind of okay besides that weird moment where he tried to go into the children's room by himself. We don't really know why he went to, into the children's room by himself. No, no. He the, he didn't explain himself, nor did he say anything about it. Clara is on her way back with the kids and Henry from this really, really, really fun Christmas gathering. And things kind of seem on the up and up. As they're walking, Henry is just kind of like, oh, wow, like this is this is nice. This is nice. And the kids are like, you know, joyful and happy. It's just kind of like playing through the snow and they're walking towards the door and Henry stops and they get to the door. She opens it. The kids kind of walk in and she notices Henry hasn't followed her into the house. She turns and looks at him and he's got this like glazed over look and he's like looking at Clara Hey, Henry, baby, it's cold outside. Like, you need to come in. And he doesn't say anything. Very, very spaced out. Very kind of not there. And she says his name several more times. And he just kind of whispers something. And she's like, I didn't hear you. Like, say that again. And he just goes, Clara, I know you have plans to leave me. I know you have plans to divorce me. I know. I know it. Like, why are you lying to me about this? And Claire is kind of quietly not letting the kids try to hear this. She's like, I'm I'm not. I'm not trying to leave you. I want to stay with you. Just, just come on in. And he just kind of like shakes his head and he's like, like, I remember all this stuff. Like, why, why would you stay with me? You know, I, I hear all the rumors and talks and these things that people are saying about me and, and they're true. Like, you're going to leave me, Clara. You're going to take the kids. You're going to leave me. And I'm going to be by myself. And, and it's all my fault that Abraham died. It's all my fault everything happened at the Four Theater. And Clara starts to get this, like, pit in her stomach. And she's like... 
something's different. And she's like, listen, Henry. And he starts slowly walking up to her and he goes, I just, I can't live without you. I, I can't live without the kids. You guys are my only meaning of life. It's the only reason I can stand to do this. I let the president die and, and now you're leaving me. And Clara, even though she's arguing, she can't, she can't convince him. And she hears a click. Oh, no. And he pulls out a pistol. And he just says, while well, shaking this gun, kind of like waving in front of her face. I'm done remembering. I don't want to remember anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this. She yells to her children. Go to your bedroom now. All three of you go up the stairs, go lock your doors and do not let anybody in. Do not let your father in and do not let me in. Okay, go now. Not a game. So the kids are rushing upstairs. You hear the door slam and like the door lock and Henry just gets angrier. And he's like, I'm so sick of everybody just bringing it up. Just it's your fault. You killed the president. You should have done more. They, they won't shut up about it. It's been years and years and years. And I just I want it gone. I, I want it gone. I want I want I want to not remember. I wish it never happened. And as he's holding this gun at Clara, she is just like, honey, she's nervous to touch him. But she winds up touching the arm where it's holding the gun, saying, put the gun down. It's OK. I love you. We love you. We're not leaving you. Can you can you come into the bedroom with me, please? And he just kind of blankly nods. It's like, OK. Uh huh. All right. Um, sure. So they wind up walking to the bedroom door. They sit on the bed and she gives the same speech she's been giving years. It's okay, Henry. I love you, Henry. I'm with you forever. We are in this together. Our children love you. It doesn't matter what other people think. And in an instant, he pulls out that same gun, presses it against her forehead. And I can't even imagine the shock Ooh. of Clara's face. And he pulls the trigger in an impulsive moment. Yeah. Henry just sits there. A minute of silence. And reality starts to seep into him. And he screams in animalistic whale this is this grunting thing and it's just like what have i done the knife that he just kind of has on him at all times he pulls it out and he just starts stabbing himself two more times three more how, times how insane you have to be to stab yourself you know what i mean like we don't we lack that like trigger you know the brain allows us to like cause like injury so you have to be in like a certain complete mindset to inflict that sort of pain yeah i mean because what you're going through cartilage ribs and i mean he's doing it in the chest up to six times and it doesn't kill him and it infuriates him and enrages him he thinks to himself i have nothing i have nothing 
But then that thought comes to his mind. No, I have reminders. I have th- I have three reminders. Oh no. I need I need to get rid of them. So him pushing Clara off the bed, standing up, and he just kind of busts out the door and starts racing down the hallway to the children's door. And it's open. So he opens the door and he's ready. Mama said to lock the door. She did say lock the door. And he opens the door and he tries to point the gun and he's ready to just shoot three children right in the face. And they're not there. And now he's just like, like animalistically roaring in the house. And you can hear him go downstairs, like messing, blinking, all this stuff, uh, glass breaking and stuff. And see, what he doesn't know is that at the time, the groundskeeper, who was just kind of clearing up some stuff around the house, like snow, like I guess shoveling snow and stuff, he by the side had heard the whole interaction of Clara and Henry from the beginning all the way into their house. And he had kind of snuck in behind them and then entered once he heard those bedroom doors close. Knowing that Henry has become more violent lately and and just from the... Violent? Violent. (laughs) He's become more lilac. He's more lilac now. He's become more erratic and violent. He just takes that precaution and thinks, I'm just going to go get the kids out. So he goes up the stairs, knocks on the door. The door's locked. The kids are not like, they're like, mom and dad said not to let anyone in. And he's like, no, you need to come with me right now. Unlock the door. This is very, very, very serious. Thank God he was like, knew something was going on. Yeah. They open the door and he says, listen, you're going to be quiet. We're going to go sneak down the stairs and we're we need to go get the police. And they're like, is is mommy and daddy okay? Is everything okay?" No, they are not okay, my friend. He he doesn't respond to them and he just kind of gets them out. And so while Henry is like thrashing about in this house, like flipping over the sofa, flipping over like tables, just breaking and smashing stuff in this enrage. Um officers show up to arrest him and he's like fighting these officers when they enter and they take him out and he is just like it is just awful word of clara's murder spread throughout the whole united states because henry had already been known as the guy that was next to abraham lincoln when he got shot and many believe that you know henry had ptsd from a, for sure. a result of that an incident um at the f- well not even just the incident i think i mean obviously you can have ptsd from just being around that incident but i don't think he would have been the way that he currently was if people d- weren't trolls and blaming him for the death of the president like that's not okay it's not it's like it can make the most sanest person go insane and see um the his Washington physician, Dr. G. W. Pope, told newspaper reporters at the time he never was thoroughly himself after that night. I have no hesitation in affirming that the dreaded tragedy, which preyed upon his nervous and impressionable temperament for many years, laid the seeds of the homicidal mania. 
So Henry's institutionalized at this German asylum for the criminally insane. And so in 1911, in January, a reporter winds up visiting him to just kind of have a conversation. Henry is about 73 at the time, and he still looked like a man of refinement, but he never really ate, still paranoid. And he was constantly tormented by hallucinations. He'd just sit in the cell and just say, Claire is going to leave me. Claire is going to take the kids. She already dead, my friend. Poor thing. It's my fault that Abraham Lincoln died. I didn't do enough. I never did enough. It's all my fault. And he died alone on August 14th, 1911. And that is the story of the murder of Clever Harris. Good job. I mean, I know I've heard the story before, but it was a while ago and excellent job. I mean, this added added to it. Yes. But I didn't know there was a guard. Yeah, that's so interesting. I know. It's so interesting. Like instead of blame the guard, let's blame the poor guy who was just there. Like that doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem right to me either. In their time period, I can see them being like, oh, well, the guard was just downstairs. And yeah, he left. That guard probably lied. He was like, I was here the whole time. I don't know how he got out. I don't know how he got up there. Or, or, or what if him and John Wilkes Booth had an arrangement and John Wilkes Booth maybe paid him? I was like, hey, leave your post for a few hours. Go grab a beer. Yeah. Oh, snap. Mm. That could have been that. Oh, that totally could have happened. Cause like he, this was planned. It does say that John Wilkes Booth used his connections. He used his actor status to kind of woo people to get his way up there. And um, fun fact, there were supposed to be two other assassinations that same night, but only John went through with it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same note, I when I heard the story before, um, kind of reminded me of kind of like a side story mm-hmm. and kind of like this whole like connection kind of thing. Did you know that John Wilkes's Booth older brother saved the life of Abraham Lincoln's son? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like before the accident or after. So I believe it was after the accident. So John Wilkes's Booth, his brother, um, his older brother, his name is Edwin Booth, and he was also an actor. So yeah, uh, like later on, Edwin Booth, he actually saved Abraham Lincoln's son, Robert, from serious injury, or possibly, honestly, maybe even death. And so the incident uh, occurred on like a train platform in New York City. The exact date's kind of uncertain, but it had to have taken place between, like, 1864 or early 1865. And so there's, like, this um, – in the magazine, the Century magazine, they, like, did, like, a article about it. And so Robert Lincoln, he recalled the incident in uh, 1909, and this is what it said. The incident occurred while a group of passengers were late at night purchasing their sleeping car places from the conductor who stood on the station platform at the entrance of the car. The platform was about the height of the car floor, and there was, of course, a narrow space between the platform and the car body. 
There was some crowding and I happened to be pressed by it against the car body while awaiting my turn. In this situation, the train began to move and by the motion, I was twisted off my feet and had dropped somewhat with feet downward into the open space and was personally helpless when my coat collar was vigorously seized and I was quickly pulled up and out to secure out to a secure footing on the platform. Upon turning to thank my rescuer, I saw it was Edwin Booth, whose face was, of course, well known to me. And I expressed my gratitude to him and in doing so called him by name. So Booth actually didn't know the identity uh, of the man who he had saved until months later when he received a letter from a friend, Colonel Adam Badeau, who was an officer on the staff of General uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Mm -hmm. Oh, we all know who that is. He had heard the story from uh, uh, Lincoln's son, Robert. And he had joined the Union Army and he was serving on Grant's staff. But uh, in the letter, he gave his compliments to Booth for the heroic deed. And I believe that Edwin really struggled with being the older brother of the man who assassinated Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Like he had his own accomplishments. He was his own person. And no matter what he did, he was always going to be known as the brother of the man who killed abraham lincoln and so he kind of went down and was just like kind of kind of made up for it just the fact that he had saved the life of abraham lincoln's son um it was said to have been like a comfort to edwin following his brother's assassination so he kind of was just like i kind of gave back to the lincoln family in a a way you know kind of I don't know. That's it's just so crazy that the kid that you save and you're unaware it's him and you wind up saving him. I wonder how Mary felt about that. You know? Yeah. I don't know if she was still alive at the time. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. To live in the shadow of your younger brother who did a really stupid stuff. That's already got to be hard enough. But But it's just so crazy how life intersex like that like just like two sides of a family like the obviously the booths and the lincolns and one brother killed the dad and then in like another i don't know it's just so crazy it is and saves the son like the world is so small and i know back then obviously the population wasn't as where it is now and but it's same areas and whatnot but still but still that is Oh, it's crazy to think. It's not awesome, but it's crazy. It's fate. It's fate. It's destiny. It's fate. This is why I love history. History repeats itself. Right? History. Cray cray, guys. You want to you want to see weird stuff? Read history. <laughs> and you also want to hear more about weird history? Continue to follow us, Hellbound History. Um, don't forget to subscribe. Check out our Instagram page. Yes, follow us on our Instagram page at Hellbound History. Throw us some suggestions if you have anything to add to our uh, episodes. Like if you have like a story or know any other like lore, feel free to shoot us a DM and we'll mention you guys next time on our podcast. And and any suggestions, you have a story that you want us to dig deep into, send it it our way. Don't forget to leave a review for us. It means a lot. Do you always love improvements? Or negative. Yeah, give us some suggestions. We want to make a better podcast for y'all. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll see you in hell next time. Bye. Bye.